for the second day of November 2023. Happy uh, Thursday to you. Yes, almost, not quite Friday, but almost. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Appreciate you listening, sharing, downloading, telling a friend, all that good stuff. And please be so kind as to uh, hit the tip jar and check out the stuff over at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com or just uh, five bucks a month or more, of course, get you the week in F and review and all sorts of other content and entry into the contest. And if you prefer to go another route, you can go to just straight to PayPal. The email is DerekAllenHunter at gmail.com. It's A-L-L-A-N, how Allen is supposed to be spelt. And I'll email you the damn show on Friday afternoon. So if you don't want to go through those other things, or you don't have, or you can just uh, say, I don't want the show. I just want to support the show and uh, I will be eternally grateful to you. Okay. Got a bunch of stuff to get to today and not a lot of time to do it as the kids are bouncing off the walls as they are freebasing chocolate and sugar today in the household the day after we have gone out and hit the road and got the trick or treating in and they actually got a pretty big ass haul. I'm pretty envious of what they did. Not the candy. I mean, hell, I could just take all the candy. I've hidden the candy. So it's not like they don't even know where it is. I, I'm doling it out one piece at a time. And it didn't cost me a ten. Great, great song. Uh, but I'm pretty lenient about it, at least so far. We shall see. But they got, they got a pretty heavy bag. I haven't done a count. But the damn thing is, like, you got to sling it over your shoulder to carry it around the house. Impressive for a five and a six-year-old. Bailey didn't start complaining about her legs hurting and her legs being tired until about the last block and a half. So her and mom skipped the last block and a half, and she went home. And Quinn dutifully hit every house in the in the cul-de-sac. It's not a cul-de-sac. It's a small neighborhood. But uh, it is like a couple hundred houses. She hit every house that had a porch light on. So good for her. Good for her. And their baby teeth so they can rot out. Anyway, and Quinn, I'm hoping she'll eat something sticky and chewy that'll rip out the front teeth, that, the front tooth that is wobbly now because she just won't stop talking about it. All right. Speaking of not stop talking about it, there is a presidential debate coming up next week. And I learned today that Asa Hutchinson is still running for president. Swear to God. True story. I didn't know that was happening. Mike Pence dropped out last week, and Mike Pence was just never going to be the guy. I feel bad for Mike Pence because he seems like a genuinely decent guy. Just in the world of that we inhabit now, he's not going to be the guy. There was an outside chance at best that he was ever going to be the guy in the Republican Party in the t- in my lifetime. Nice guy, one-on-one, much more personable than he is when he's on stage or giving a speech. When he's on stage or giving a speech, she's got Hillaryitis. Hillary Clinton is, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't use the term nice person, but she's much more personable when you are talking with her. Barack Obama personable 
Bill Clinton personable in any circumstance. Bill Clinton, you're like, you hold on to your wallet and hold on to you. If you're a lady, you hold on to your skirt because he's going to try and get something off of you of either money or God knows what. But he, uh, Hillary is just awful when talking to large groups of people. She's just awful. There's no two ways about it. She sounds like a condescending kindergarten teacher. She really, truly does. And it's just not good. That's You sit there and you go, there's no way this person talks this way to other human beings in normal circumstances. They just can't. We all know people like that. They become robotic. The thing about me, just to use me as an example, not to be like an arrogant D-bag and talk about myself, but I have met... I met the guy, one of the guys who was responsible for letting me fill in, for choosing me to fill in for Rush Limbaugh, where I was, if you're new, I was the last new fill-in host for Rush Limbaugh, right right at the very end. And um, a guy named Craig Kitchen. And I never got a chance, I never met the guy. I'd, I'd only heard about the guy. He's one of those names in radio that like, oh, it's Craig Kitchen. And the angels go, oh, and all that stuff. And he was a super nice guy. He's also from Michigan. He grew up on the other side of it. He grew up on the good side of 8 Mile. But um, he was at an event that I was at, and I made a point of just because I made a point of thanking him. Like when I got the, 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 the gig, I emailed pretty much everybody who had ever put me on radio or had anything to do with pointing me in the direction of doing radio uh, to thank them. Like, oh, my God, I was feeling I was already doing radio, but it was like I'm doing the radio. This is the radio. And so I wanted to thank them. I emailed Tucker and Neil at the Daily Caller. I emailed uh, all the program directors, whoever had me fill in. I had the, the host that had I'd let me fill in for him, whatever. And I didn't email Craig Kitchen because I didn't know him. I didn't know he'd made a decision. Eventually, Bo Snerdly told me that he was the one or one of the final ones to sign off on this. He had, you know, they'd listen for like six months to make sure that you can do the job. And... So I, I saw him, and I sidled up next to him at the lunch line, and I just said, you know, excuse me, Mr. Kitchen, I just want to introduce myself, and I want to thank you for, you know, signing off on letting me fill in for Rush. It was like the only way it could have been better is if my mother had still been alive. But my father drove about uh, 20 miles south of him to a place called West Branch in Michigan to sit in a because that was where WJR made it to. They made it to West Branch. They didn't make it any. It didn't make it any further. And that was the rush station. So my dad sat in his car for three hours in the parking lot. It was like either of a Walmart, a Myers, or a Kentucky Fried Chicken, or whatever. He sat there and listened to me fill in for Rush. You know, like it was a super thrill because my dad didn't have internet at the time. He wasn't even able to listen to me ever. Like it was just kind of. I guess when he was downstate visiting my sisters, he could, but. Uh, my brother, but he couldn't up up north. So I, I just wanted to thank him. And we ended up having lunch together and talking for like half an hour or whatever. And he goes, I'm glad you are exactly how you are on the radio. Because they listened to my radio show, they listened to my podcast for a long, like I say, six months. And he, apparently there are a whole bunch of people out there who do this. For, I mean, I guess I knew that there are a whole bunch of people out there who do this for a living or nothing like this they play characters they kind of expect that with howard stern type morning show morning zoo kind of stuff where they're like yeah give me the boobs and give me the strippers and everything and like okay you're a married man 
you're either whoring around and being quite open about it or this is a character you're playing. You know, either wife doesn't love you or this is a character you're playing. And, you know, but in political talk radio, news talk radio, it's the same damn thing. There's less strippers, unfortunately, but it's um, not saying there's none. <laughs> Just kidding. Mostly. I assume somebody's knee deep in, in strippers. Somebody's got to be. Titty bars still exist. But uh, it's different. These people play a character. They are wildly different than they are. They get worked up about things. They insist on, oh, I'm fighting for you. I care about you. I'm in this battle, blah, blah, blah. And all they're really doing is trying to get in your wallet. That's it. They're just prostitutes by a different name. And I'm just not. I don't know. This is how I am. My friends who uh, I talk to, this is how I am. The people who knew me. Long before I did any of this crap, this is how I am. This is why and how I ended up getting to do this crap is I had a mouth and could talk and make sense and string together coherent sentences and ultimately formulate a point. And people were like that you should do that for us at the Heritage Foundation of all places where I was kind of scorned for having long hair, which I have again. My glorious long hair is back to touching my collar, which either means I'm going to let it go through the winter or cut it off and be an idiot and be cold in the winter. I haven't decided yet. But anyway, there was this sort of disconnect between so many of the people. And you meet these people at various events too. And some of them I knew before they were famous. And you're just like, you're such a phony. You're such a fraud. I'm an inner holding Caulfield in that sense. Hillary Clinton doesn't do it to try and impress. She just gets uptight. When she's on stage, Mike Pence is how he is. He's just an uptight version of himself when he's on stage. That doesn't work. If you notice, let me think, what was the last sort of uptight kind of, I guess the last prim and proper uptighty kind of president, and I don't mean that as an insult, but the uptighty kind of person we elected president would be George H.W. Bush. It is just because of his northeastern New England type of upbringing where he was very prim and proper and, you know, you don't talk about money and you don't do this, that, and the other. And so when he's on stage and giving a speech, it was, they'll come to me and they'll say this and I'll say no. It was a little robotic. But he also was very endearing. There's nothing about Hillary Clinton that's endearing at all. Mike Pence... We're past the point where I think any politicians can truly be endearing unless they're really making some self-deprecating humor. So Mike Pence was just not, it's just not his time. His ideals and the issues that he cares about are still an integral part of the conservative coalition that make up the Republican Party. There's no question about that. And to his segment of the Republican Party, and you'll sit there and you go, what segment is that, Derek? He couldn't get X person. Okay, it's not, it's not nothing. Now, you got to make a difference between the amount of support that a particular candidate has and the amount of people who agree with that particular candidate on the importance of issues. Because remember, it's, it's as much the... Uh, the issue, the order in which the issues matter to a voter as it is what the issues are 
in themselves. There are a lot of people who are very pro-life or very pro-choice who will vote on economics long before they vote on abortion. And there are other people for whom that the, the exact opposite is the case. Mike Pence appeals to and speaks to and speaks for the people for whom the exact opposite is the case, I suspect. The social conservatives, and while a lot of libertarian-leaning conservatives out there will go, the part of the reason we don't ever win, their vote counts just as much as yours. You're not special. I'm not special. None of us individually are special. The only way we get anything done is to get everybody together. So you might have to bite your tongue. You might have to hold your nose. You might have to do something or pay lip service to something you're not particularly excited about. But recognize that the only way to win is to build a broad coalition. All right? You might not care. You might care, but it might not be your top priority. And it'll drive you nuts. The people aren't voting for this because why aren't they caring more about what I care about? Well, the people are saying the exact same thing about you. Trust me. And so you can mock Mike Pence. You can mock Asa Hutchinson, although I honestly didn't know that Asa Hutchinson was still running. You can mock all of these people. They have their constituencies. The problem isn't the Mike Pence's of the world. Mike Pence will go away, go back to the private sector, go back towards advocating to advocating for the issues he cares about and be advocating for Republican candidates, which is really what matters, whereas Asa Hutchinson will likely take his ball and go home. Now, thankfully, Asa Hutchinson represents a much smaller part of the Republican coalition than a Mike Pence does, than most of the other people in the field do. But it would be nice, it would be ideal if, regardless of who the candidates were, they all agreed that any Republican is better than any in every Democrat, right? I just get the feeling, and it's I'm not going to pussyfoot around it, right up at the top. If Donald Trump isn't the nominee, Donald Trump isn't going to campaign for anybody. Donald Trump is going to sit there and snipe from the sidelines about whoever the nominee is. That's just what he's going to do. It's who he is. The world exists in a different way for him because the world is his life his world has always existed in a way that was for him other politicians will go all right i'll support the nominee and then they'll do one or two speeches and sort of a couple of tv appearances and try and hide because they don't really want to go out there and campaign they'd much rather somebody lose so that they're poised for the next time it's all bs politics that's the way the game is played but ideally, it would be nice if everybody just said, well, we're all playing tug of war. We're all fighting against the left. I don't care who it is. Any Republican is better than every Democrat. That being said, <clears throat> I want to talk about this new Quinnipiac poll because this will serve as a lot of wake-up call. I've got, it's been a while since I've gotten emails about RFK Jr. But, there are a lot of people on the right who were under the belief that RFK Jr. was A, somehow going to take votes away from Joe Biden, and B, somehow on a weird political spectrum, a conservative. And it's not really the case. Either one of those things are not the case, and now you're waking up to the point that you're realizing that there's a good possibility. Now, this poll could be an outlier. This poll could be 
just a bad pull, but it's Quinnipiac. They're fairly respectable. The he- I'll just tell you their headline. 2024 presidential race stays static in the face of major events. Quinnipiac University National Poll finds RFK Jr. receives 22% as independent candidate in three-way race. And you're like, ooh, 22%. That's pretty good. Ross Perot, 1992, only got 19%. And he really threw that whole thing for a loop. He beat an incumbent president. Yeah, he did. Well, he got a, an incumbent president defeated. He didn't beat Bush. Bush, I think Clinton got 42, 43%, something like that. Bush got 41%. It was closer nationally. It didn't, wasn't all that close in the Electoral College, but you get the idea. Perot drew more from Bush than he did for Clinton because there were a whole bunch of people who looked at Bush and were mad about the no new taxes pledge being broken, who couldn't bring themselves to vote for Bill Clinton, who more than likely... Some of them would have stayed home, but more than likely would have voted for George W. Bush, George H. W. Bush, had there not been the Perot alternative. And there was a point in the summer leading up to that election where Perot was actually in the lead, but he was such a political novice that he kind of had a weird nervous breakdown and dropped out of the race, claiming that the GOP was threatening his daughter's wedding and black helicopters and all this stuff. And he just kind of went crazy and then uh, he kneecapped himself. Then when he came back into the race a month later or so, it was too late. He'd let the lightning out of the bottle. But anyway, this these data set here, what does it show? National poll, three-way race. Joe Biden, 39%. Donald Trump, 36%. RFK Jr., 22%. Now, wait a second. It sure seems like RFK Jr., is drawing more support from Donald Trump than he is from Joe Biden. He is. Why? Because liberal media has pretended for a long time, first they attacked RFK Jr., then they ignored RFK Jr., because that's what they wanted to do. They don't want Joe Biden to have any competition, just like they're ignoring that member of Congress like ridiculously pretending to be challenging Joe Biden. He's not challenging Joe Biden. He's gone to New Hampshire. He's trying to get on the ballot in New Hampshire. New Hampshire will vote before South Carolina, but New Hampshire will allot zero delegates because the DNC has decreed that South Carolina shall be first because of the black vote there. They view that as a way to, they viewed that as a way to protect Biden against any challengers, particularly RFK. But that's the way it is. So this guy is just doing a publicity stunt. It's working. And he's not going to get on the ballot anywhere where it matters. Don't believe the hype on that one. They'll pretend to care. He's kind of the, well, if RFK had stayed in the Democratic primary, he's kind of the guy who's uh, they could pay attention to while still ignoring RFK. And then they would say, well, we're not ignoring challenges to Joe Biden. We're We're covering the guy who's not going to, do anything and isn't even really trying. He's running in a state with no delegates and that kind of crap. But anyway, back to this Quinnipiac poll. Fox News has given RFK Jr., I would say, 98% of his publicity. That's it. Fox News and Fox Corp. Uh, companies. He gets in the New York Post a lot. The uh, Wall Street Journal, I believe, has covered him somewhat. But 
the rest of the media ignores him except for the occasional hit piece. Like, you know, he's dated a lot of women in his life. Yeah, well, he's a rich, good-looking dude. Show me. It's always written by some troll who didn't get kissed till they were like 28. Like, this is angry. This is bad. Like, no, this is just uh, something you've never understood. You're not charming. You're not appealing in any way, shape, or form. And you're bitter about it. A sign bitter Jacob to go and write the story. But they've uh, when they talk about him, they attack him. Anti-vax. He's wildly, and he is anti-vax. He's, and he's not against every vax, but he is anti-vaccine. Now, you can hear him out on that, and you, uh, God knows you probably have because he's been all over. He might as well have been nicknamed Alan Combs because he's been on Hannity and Combs so much, and he's up there with Jesse Waters too, and they're all talking about the the mRNA vaccines and COVID and this, that, and the other thing. And, and he says all the right things on that stuff. But on everything else, he's a crazy leftist. Don't make any mistakes about it. He is a crazy leftist. He is not a conservative in any way, shape, or form. That you agree with him on one or two issues is, you know, that's it. Now, if those are the issues that vote, that move your vote, I really want to make sure that we never get a COVID mandate again. Well, we're not. The Democrats have kind of given up on COVID, so it'd be really kind of weird to do that. But, I mean, I guess if that's what you care about and that's all you care about, in a three-way race, Biden imposed a vaccine mandate. Trump is still blowing his own horn occasionally uh, about how he made the vaccine. So you, you go to RFK if that's what moves your vote. But in general, if you're a conservative, you're a Republican, even a nominally conservative person, thinking that RFK is somehow the true conservative in the race uh, or whatever, or you like, he's Trump, but with, I'll get Trump policies, but without the baggage that Trump gets in a three-way race, you could not be more wrong. You could never be more wrong. He is a dyed-in-the-wool leftist. He is somebody who will fully embrace the Green New Deal, no matter what. And worse, he was one of the he was sort of the original AOC. So don't believe the hype. This is the danger of only getting your information from Fox News. Is they build somebody up, they go, we're going to stick it to Joe Biden. We're going to give RFK. Nobody watching Fox News is a Democrat voter. We're so bifurcated as a society at this point that that's just not the case. There's a, a wall. He didn't have a wall at the southern border, but we got a wall between cable news viewing. Unless you're a pantsless, unlovable bridge troll working in Media Matters, you are not watching Fox News. So all the times you have RFK on, it doesn't matter. You're not going to make a dent in Joe Biden's thing. What you will do is you'll get a bunch of Republicans going, well, I'm really interested. And I liked what RFK had to say. Well, yeah, you'd like what anybody has to say in a softball interview conducted for purposes other than educating the audience about the person being interviewed. That's what they do. I guess you could also blame Newsmax. He's been on there, but so few people watch news. They started a subscription service. Um, so you can't even watch their streaming service for free. You got to pay five bucks a month 
to watch Newsmax, and it's like, well, you realize it's on your cable system, right? Like it's it's literally right there on your cable. You can you can watch it for free, and people aren't watching it for free. Why would you pay for the exact same thing? Like, oh, I don't watch it when I'm at home, but I do need to pay so I can not watch it when I'm not at home on my device. I don't I don't get what the hell's going on there. Uh, they just, it would be nice if they took some of the money and put it towards production value and talent hire, but they don't seem to be, they seem to be content to be worth a lot of money based solely on the fact that they're in a lot of households. Not, not at all on the fact that they get their top rated show will occasionally get 500,000 viewers and most of the rest of their entire day doesn't make the top 150 shows on cable. I always say, we're the fastest growing name in cable news. Yeah, fastest growing. You went from 10 viewers to 20 viewers. You grew 100%. You're still below the Cartoon Network. So, I mean, let's not let's not start blowing our own horns. Anyway, I just wanted to make you aware of that poll because it's going to be interesting to watch. Look, I don't think that these numbers are going to hold eventually Fox is going to have to turn on RFK Jr. just the same way that MSNBC and CNN did because they created him, they made him. Or if Trump ends up not being the nominee, then I guess they don't have to. But it is, uh, it was stupid what they did and why they did it and how they did it. There were ways to interview RFK while also conveying just how liberal RFK was so that you don't fool a bunch of people. Now there's nowhere to go to get the truth about RFK. Fox is going to have to do it. And there are going to be a lot of people going, what the hell happened? I thought he was a good guy. I thought he was one of us. Just like Tulsi Gabbard. They inflate her. Now Tulsi's smart enough. This is her source of income. This is her job now. She recognizes that she's not going to go out there and be as liberal as she truly is. She truly is a left-wing nutjob. So they have her on to talk about things that she will agree with the audience on largely. It's it's such propaganda. All of cable news is such propaganda. Just find your information. Watch the other side every once in a while. Try and watch actual news. And nothing in prime time is actual news. I promise you. You will come away smarter if you take a, a week off of watching cable news, no matter what cable news you watch. I just promise you. All right. Now, in other news, this is interesting. The uh, Republican House Oversight Committee, the people that are looking into the uh, Biden corruption, they keep finding little tidbits of information. Of course, the leftist media goes, nothing to see here. Nothing. Remember, it was all Joe didn't know anything about his son's businesses and family's businesses. And now they're finding out, well, he knew about it, but he didn't he didn't own a piece of those businesses. And now suddenly they're they're finding more information that he's in on meetings and he's mentioned in all these documents and all these LLCs and everything. They go, well, it, there's no direct evidence. No money's gone to him. And then Republicans said, well, here's a $200,000 check. And they said, well, that's, uh, it says right there in the memo, loan repayment. Well, they found another $40,000 check. And in the memo, it says loan repayment. Now, it's kind of weird because these are dated for 2017 middle of 2017 joe biden left office on january 20th of 2017 as vice president that ended his lifetime to that point 
as a quote-unquote public servant, a lowly public servant making next to no money because he cared so deeply. Yet in that time, he had already bought the DuPont estate. He had somehow managed to get a lot of money and buy expensive properties. We can figure out later how he did that. Nobody seems to know right now, but he then got a book deal. He then got able to do speeches and what have you, but he was not raking in the money. You got to remember in September when this next check is dated for $40,000 for a personal loan, he'd only been out of office for eight months. How much money do you think he would have earned in that amount of time? Probably not millions upon millions of dollars. Certainly not enough that anybody would feel comfortable loaning what, at least to this point, is $240,000 in cold, hard cash, unless he's, unless he's running juice on this money on his brother at like 20% per week. He had, I assume, that he gave his brother, I'm assuming this is a legit loan. It wasn't a legit loan. I don't believe for a second it was a legit loan. But he would believe that his brother would get a, a decent cut rate, right? So he's if he's paying him back to this point that we know of, $240,000, you're probably looking at 2% interest maybe, just something to get the meter running. Does Joe have that kind of money eight months after leaving the White House? Eight months, not only eight months after leaving the White House, he had to have loaned the money and then had the money repaid. How would his degenerate brother get the money to repay him in such a short period of time? Eight months, loan made, loans repaid. Seems like a pretty short time. Well, UK Daily Mail. President Joe Biden is at the center of an extremely lucrative extortion scheme between members of his family and foreign actors, including China. Charged Republicans, Chairman James Comer unveiled a $40,000 direct payment to Joe from 2017, labeled as a loan repayment that he claims is laundered money that can be traced back to the Chinese. Comer's oversight committee is spearheading the probe into Biden's family, blah, 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 influence peddling. According to new bank records they obtained through subsequent subpoenas for James and Hunter Biden's financial records, a money trail beginning in July 2017 snaked from Chinese oil giant CEFC, one of Hunter's joint ventures, into Joe's account. What? Now, Joe used to say that Hunter Biden never made any money from China. In fact, in 2020 debate, he said plainly that uh, the only person involved in any of this who made any money from China was Donald Trump. Well, that's not true. We all know that Hunter Biden made several hundred thousand dollars, at least, that we know of so far from China. Now it looks like his idiot brother was involved as well. After an initial $5 million from CEFC was put into the joint venture. Let's see. WhatsApp messages from August 2017, previously published in the Daily Mail. Hunter demanded $10 million from CEFC and claimed that his father was, quote, sitting here next to him during the exchange. Everybody remembers that. After an initial $5 million from CEFC was put in the joint venture on August 8th, 2017, and transfer, a 
A transfer of $400,000 was placed into Hunter Biden's entity, Owasso PC, on the same day. Then $150,000 was transferred directly from Owasso into the bank account of James and Sarah Biden, Joe's sister-in-law, on August 14th. 2017. Then on September 3rd, 2017, Sarah wrote a $40,000 check direct to Joe just six days after she took out $50,000 in cash, according to the obtained documents. Boy, howdy, they're rolling in it. Pop quiz. Ask any of your liberal friends what good or service does any Biden family business provide to anybody, particularly foreign countries. They will not be able to give you an answer, and that is the correct answer, because they do not do it. <clears throat> Quote, in taking funds sourced to CCP-linked company that would it, it wanted to advance China's interests, Joe Biden exposed himself to future blackmail and put America's interests behind his own desire for money, Comer said in a video published Wednesday. This is the fourth bank records memorandum released from the committee so far this year to inform members of their ongoing investigation. Joe Biden had previously stated that Hunter never made money from China and that the White House has maintained that the president never benefited from his family's business ventures. That is a lie. That is a falsehood. That is something that will not make the nightly news tonight, just like the $200,000 check didn't really matter because nothing really matters. Politics is a blood sport. It is a team sport now, and that's all that matters to these people. It's sad, but it's true. Speaking of a team sport, I want to play you a clip from Senator Josh Hawley talking to Alejandro Mayorkas. God, what a worthless... I don't know how you just don't throttle these people. How, do you, how you don't throw it? How you don't just say, and excuse my French, it's coming, an F-bomb is coming, so hum or something. When you listen to these douchebags being interviewed from the Biden administration, they won't give an answer. How do you just don't sit up there and say, answer the fucking question. Quit being an asshole and answer the fucking question. How you don't just say that or say, you know what? I'm going to move to hold your ass in contempt. You're such a piece of garbage. You won't answer basic questions. It's a yes or no question. You won't do it. You're just trying to filibuster the time away. You won't answer the question. I am going to vote to hold you in contempt. Start putting these people on notice. And it doesn't matter which party they're for. Answer the fucking question. But listen to this. He's talking to uh, Alejandro Mayorkas. God, it's just one of the most weaselly creatures ever to occupy any official government position. But he is out there talking to uh, Senator Hawley about the border and about the situation in the Middle East. And there is a government employee in the Department of Homeland Security who does not like Jews. Not a big fan of the Jews. She loves the terrorists in Hamas, and she, like all these leftists, feel compelled to go and declare their love of terrorists to the world. And you sit there and you go, this person does what for a living, and how can this person do this job for a living? 
Mayorkas is asked if this person still has a job. Of course, they still have a job. They could be actively blocking Israeli immigrants from entering the country. But and we're supposed to believe this person is an honest broker. Anyway, listen to this. This is Nuja Ali, an employee of the Department of Homeland Security, who posted these comments on October the 7th. That's not all she posted. She also posted this graphic. Now, this is a fake graphic, I want to be clear, but I think we understand it. This is a paraglider, a Hamas paraglider, depicted here with a machine gun flying into Israel. She posted it under her online alias with the celebratory Free Palestine. Mr. Secretary, what, what's going on here? Is this, is this typical of, of people who work at DHS? This is an asylum and immigration officer who is posting these, frankly, pro-genocidal slogans and images on the day that Israelis are being slaughtered in their beds. What have you done about this? Four things I'd like to say to you. Number one, your question to suggest that it, that is emblematic of the men and women of the Department of Homeland Security is despicable. Number I'm sorry, two, what have you This person works for the Department of Homeland Security. Have you fired her? That was one of four answers. Have you fired her? One. Have you fired her? Don't come to this hearing room when Israel has been invaded and Jewish students are barricaded in libraries in this country and cannot be escorted out because they are threatened for their lives. You have employees who are celebrating genocide and you are saying it's despicable for me to ask the question? Has she been fired? Mr. Chairman. Mr. Secretary. After um, the consumption of Senator Hawley's time, I'd like to speak. Has she been fired? Because I will we not would be, like an answer. Would you? Because I will not be given the opportunity. Has she been fired? So uh, that individual has been placed on administrative leave. So she's not one. been fired. Number two. Number Why has two, she not been fired? Number two. The individual was hired in 2019. Why has she not been number fired? Number three. I cannot speak to an ongoing personnel matter. Why, why has this person not been fired? Your answer is you can't speak to it? The this isn't sufficient to fire her? I am not in a position to speak to an ongoing personnel matter. What a just a worthless piece of shit. Don't you just want to smack him? Members of Congress should have like rocks or eggs or rotten tomatoes to be able to throw at these douchebags. Just go, you know what? Okay, I can't do it. I can do this to you. I can do this to you, you piece of crap. Answer the question. I do love how we finally found somebody, somebody that uh, is tangentially related to Donald Trump that Democrats will support. This woman, she was hired in 20, 2019. Oh, so she's a Trump hire. She's a, a federal employee. She's not a Trump hire. They do not handle the civil, it's not a political appointee. But I love it. I like we couldn't possibly fire her unless she was a Trump hire. We celebrate diversity. Shut up, you weaselly piece of crap. Go to hell. Go straight to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred. In fact, go ahead, pass go. Collect two hundred dollars as long as you end up in hell. I just want somebody to look at these people, stand up right there in a hearing, and go answer the fucking question. What is wrong with you? You are a piece of shit. Answer the question, because I think that everybody would be shocked. Like the, the decorum is you can be a complete dick 
as long as you don't swear, as long as you're polite about it, as long as you use the proper term. Senator, I just want to tell you, blah, 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 blah. Well, is the answer one or two? Uh, I can tell you, Senator, that we are definitely going to, and I can just answer the question. They won't do it. They won't. Someday somebody's going to just rip into these people the way these people deserve to be ripped into. I hope it's a Republican. I hope it's some piece of crap like Alejandro Mayorkas. And I hope it's a beautiful, glorious spectacle. Otherwise, somebody needs to appoint my ass to the Senate so I can get up there. Just appoint me for one hearing, one Mayorkas hearing, and I'll go up there and I'll just just rip into him. I'll spend all my asking basic questions and when he won't do it, the last five minutes, I'll just rip him up fucking part god i can't stand these people anyway that's enough for today we're almost up to above 40 minutes there so uh, there you go it blow my nose is still semi-clogged the longer i talk the more my nose gets clogged i did this whole thing with uh, no stops no edits in it and that means that my nose my nose runneth over so there you go. Now you know. Aren't you happy about that? Check out patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter or email me Derek Hunter gmail.com. See what's what. What's going on. Otherwise, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks for listening.